This is Transparency, a podcast by Gender Dysphoria Alliance, hosted by Aaron Kimberly and Aaron Terrell. Each week we'll be joined by people who have personal or professional experience with gender dysphoria and physical transition. We'll also discuss how our trans experiences relate to the concept of gender identity. Join us for a compassionate yet heterodox approach to the question of trans. So we've got we've got Kevin here with us today, all the way from Australia. So there's a bit of a time difference for us and and for him. But we're uh, we've gotten to know you a little bit, Kevin, on on Twitter, and and I've followed you on Facebook as well. And um, so it's great to actually meet you in person and have a mm. chat with you. Yeah, that, likewise. That isn't limited by a few few characters. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> uh, we so we would love to just hear a bit about your transition story and if uh that would be an okay place to start um yeah wow uh where to start um i transitioned or i started transitioning i think i'm in my 20th year this year so uh i would have started in 2000 or 2001 um well, uh, basically, it, it's kind of hard to explain, but I, I was a lesbian before I um, before I transitioned, and uh, I kind of was just when I was younger. I always kind of passed. I was always kind of very, very masculine as 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 when I was growing up. Um, And I would frequently pass, not for long periods, but just, you know, like in day-to-day interactions. And that was really, really embarrassing and frustrating. And uh, sorry, I'm a bit nervous for some reason. Um, Yeah, so that was was kind of like a problem, which I assume you guys are, are used to. Um, and then when I was in my teens, people would be like, I had, <laughs> I had this elderly neighbour who was like, oh, you were just born in the wrong body. And, you know, some family members said that to me, like I should have been born a boy was just this, this theme that ran through my life. But I didn't ever really grab hold of it because even though I knew that there were trans women out there, I didn't know that the other way, that our way was possible. So people would say that and I would just be like, you know, whatever. Like it never really impacted because I'm quite pragmatic, I suppose, in some ways where it's like, well, if if it's not a possibility, then why fret over it? So I kind of just went on with my life. And then when I was about 20, 26, um, a friend of mine said that he was going to transition and I was like, oh, yeah, cool, cool, whatever. Um, there's a, there's a, a lesbian, a monthly lesbian magazine that comes out here called Lesbians on the Loose. Um, and every six months or so, when I was in my early 20s, every six months or so they would do these articles about lesbians on testosterone which was really bizarre. They never got to the point of it was never 
women transitioning or lesbians transitioning, it was always lesbians taking testosterone. Mm. And they were, I was fascinated by them, but they kept saying they, they, the quotes would be like really off things like, I understand now why men rape women because I've got all of this test. Like just some of the things that they said in these articles were a bit off-putting, so like to say the least. So I was interested in them, but they never quite got to the point as to why they were writing the article or why this was a thing. So when my friend said that he was going to transition, I was like, oh, cool, you know, like I've heard of this. Um, and then he showed me uh, Body Alchemy. Have you guys, you guys know that book? Yeah. Um, Lauren Cameron's photos of, you know, American trans men. And I kind of... When I saw the book, it kind of just became really obvious to me that I had this weird disassociation where I didn't ever think of myself as female in any way, shape or form. Like I would just ignore the fact that I had breasts. I was completely disassociated from my body. And when I looked in the mirror, I wouldn't quite see myself. And then when I, uh, when I was like, when my friend showed me this book and I'm looking at these pictures of trans masculine bodies, something just clicked. And I was like, that is what I see when I'm looking in the mirror. And shortly after I started transitioning and I was involved in, um, there was a group counselling thing that was really cool at the time where there were there were probably five to eight core guys in this once a month or I think it started once every two weeks and then as time went on it kind of became monthly um so there were a group of trans men that were all beginning their transition. I think we all started within, a, within roughly a year of each other. So, um, you know, the first guy started testosterone, the meeting started, and then three months later someone else started testosterone. So here we go. Sorry, I have puppy arriving. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that, those, those meetings kind of went on for a good probably – year and a half where we all kind of hung out together and there were there were like five to eight core members of that group but then there were other people that came and went so we kind of had this little group of trans guys that were all transitioning roughly around the same time um sorry uh, where are you? You're there. And this was um, this was Sydney. And we all, yeah, we all supported okay. each other. We were all friends. Um, I'm still in contact with one of them. We all had. There were some guys that were because about that time it was when transgender started to kind of pop up as this umbrella term. Like, um, so there were guys that were transsexual type guys that were like, I'm just a guy and or I'm a man and this is transitioning me to a man and, you know, I am a man with a female medical history and kind of this whole weird thing where it was like I, I could never quite get my head around how that worked. But 
everybody kind of had their own internal dialogue. So some guys were like, I'm a transsexual. And then there were other guys that were like, no, I'm transgendered. I'm kind of, you know, like I want to incorporate my, my history a bit more into my identity. And then there was one, one or two guys that were like low dose guys that were kind of a bit more genderqueer. Um, <laughs> like there's one guy that's still kicking around in Sydney um, that is, he was, he was really interesting. He was kind of more very genderqueer in that he had, he took a half dose of testosterone. And I think he still does to this day. He passes, he doesn't pass. I think he passes mostly now, but, you know, he was like, you can call me he, you can call me she, whatever. And we all kind of just were like, yep, cool, whatever, you do you. And we all got along and supported each other and hung out and problem solved with each other. And, you know, it all kind of became this click for a while. Um, but, yeah, so I was kind of involved in that for a few years um, and then I moved to New Zealand, which kind of ended that. Um, but, yeah, so that is essentially me in a nutshell. I've had chest surgery. I haven't had any other surgeries. Um, and that, in, that, that internal struggle that you felt in, in that mismatch, you know, um, with what you saw in the mirror, was that resolved for you by transitioning? <laughs> Not really. Um, in some ways, yes, but mostly probably not because I'm sure you guys are aware, like people have this idea now that transitioning gives you a male body, which it, it kind of doesn't. It emasculates, it, it, it emasculinizes the body that you have. So I was frustratingly a perfect pair. So I have wide hips. Um, I have not as wide hips as I had uh, because my body fat has shifted. So I have broader shoulders. So it's not quite as obvious now when I'm clothed. But when I'm naked, I'm just a hairy pair, basically. So I still kind of have that same shape. Um, and, you know, you ch even if you have the best chest surgery in the world, it doesn't I haven't seen that many chest surgeries that look, you know, identical to a male chest. So you kind of, you know, I've, I've kind of gotten, an, I've, I've gone with it and I'm, I'm happy and I, would, I don't have any regrets. I would do it again in a nutshell. But you kind of, for me, I kind of think that, uh, you know, you do what you can and, if I can't have the body that I want, then is it better to fixate on it and torment myself or just accept the fact and move on? Like, so I'm kind of a lot more in my body now than I ever was. Um, but the reality of what transition is, is not exactly what they, what you expect. Like it's, it's just never going to be that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can relate to a lot of, of what you said, even just in terms of like the social mix, because I early in my transition, I was going to groups and stuff too, because early in the transition, that felt important because it was a stressful thing to go through and and confusing to 
to navigate and, and needing information. So having a connection to those kinds of groups and conferences was, was helpful initially. And I agree that there were a lot of different versions of trans out there. Um, yeah. Including the types you mentioned, like I would, I would say that I've always been the type that I just, I have a very binary understanding of male, female. And for me, this was about living in the world as male and appearing male yeah. it never really appealed to me to to do the the gender queer or non-binary or i didn't want to identify as trans i don't have a lot invested in in mm. the trans movement or a trans identity i just wanted to live my life as male and try different versions of of that tried living stealth for a long time and um sorry so i'm being told off <laughs> um we've talked a little bit on on twitter about how our gender dysphoria evolved over time. And, and, you know, I'm 15 years into my transition. You're about 20. Kenneth, you're probably about 16 years. Cause I think you have a year on me. And I know that my identity has, has shifted a lot over the years as I've tried to just kind of grapple with, you know, my body still isn't really male, but the politics mm. are really trying, you know, and the, and legally um, there's this push to see us as male yeah, and I think that's where my my politics politics in this has shifted. Yes, I want to live my life as male, but um, it's not the same thing. It's not like. the same thing, and and I agree with you about all like all of the memories that we've had in the past. Like, what do we do with all of those? And yeah, you know, the, they the, they inform who you are. There's no way to get away with it. Hold on one second. No, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Sorry, but it's not going to happen. He's like telling me off behind me. I don't know if you can hear him. Um, Yeah, you know, like it just, just, I I can't, what you guys are going through in Canada, I just can't. I'm I'm sure we're not that far behind. I'm a little bit too scared to look at what's exactly happening in Australia. But it's kind of, do you guys have this thing? I don't know like what circles you move in, but I, I don't move in trans circles at I don't, all. I don't I'm either. In, I kind of am in the queer community online a little bit because that's kind of where I fit in a bit more. Um, but in real life, I live out, you know, like I live 40 kilometres away from uh, Sydney centre. So I'm not really involved in the scene at all. Um, so I am basically like I'm out at I'm out at work mostly. I'm, I'm not at the moment because I'm kind of doing this casual warehouse thing. But um, when you're like, people are like, oh, you know, trans men, are men, trans women are women. Like, that's not even true for me socially. Like, if I walk into a place where, you know, like 99% of the people are straight you know, middle Australia type places, I stand out. Like guys kind of like while you're socialising, there's like people kind of do this thing where they're like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. And they kind of like they think I'm gay straight away. Um, And then they kind of realise that maybe I'm not, but they don't really care anyway. But there is socially a noticeable difference between me and other guys. Like, 
cis men or, you know, straight guys, gay guys, you know, like there's – go away, go on. Um, there's this social weird – like it's non-spoken, but they kind of do this thing where it's like you're not like me and they kind of hesitate for a minute and then they kind of get to know you and realise that they just don't care and, you know, but you're always kind of – you know, not quite, the social cues aren't quite right. Like, you are different in some way. Do you guys have that as well? Like, I find that really interesting when people are like, oh, trans men are just men. And it's like, well, everywhere I go, no matter what group I'm in, unless it's a trans group, I am kind of other in a way but because i pass so easily and so readily they just can't quite put their finger on how it is that i'm different mm -hmm. so it's kind of like that that whole that whole dialogue just doesn't make any sense whatsoever because it's not we were socialized as women like we may look like footballers but that's <laughs> that's not the case like we're not the same even even gay guys socially you know gay guys have different social cues than we do mm -hmm. it's like kind of being a foreigner um yeah. i feel like like you're you're not you don't quite understand the culture um and you, you can try to pick it up but there's always going to be a little bit a little bit kind of kind of separating you yeah there's always just this little thing that you're just not quite the same and it's, it doesn't appear to be the case for other people that aren't trans. Like, it's very interesting. I'm kind of, because I'm normally in a, in a kitchen situation where I'm in charge, I don't really socialise in the same way as I currently am with, with the guys. So it's kind of a bit more noticeable at the moment. But, yeah, it's very interesting because it's just not, like a lot of this whole trans narrative that's happening is, is it's just not practical. Like it's not realistic. It's not logical in, in places. Like it just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Especially since we tend to pass a lot better than the trans women too. And yet most of it's about, you know, uh, kind of militantly um, confirming the trans yeah. women are women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like... Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for for the for this upcoming generation, you know, because they are transitioning so much younger because I, I did OK socially um, up until puberty and, and I just kind of hang out, hung out with the with the boys and, and that yeah. just felt natural. There was nothing awkward there at all um, until puberty. And that's when things got awkward. And, and I just completely socially withdrew at that point because I didn't have a community um, in my tiny little farming town. So um, I feel like I missed out on a lot of, um, a, you know, a pretty important developmental stage that, that most people go through with puberty when you start to date and you're going to house parties. And I feel like I missed out on that entire stage Awkward in my development. Area. Yeah. And yeah. Um, not that I don't have friends, but I totally get what you mean. Like there's just something different and, and not always picking up on social cues in the same way. And um, even if you do pick up in social, like on the social cues, your responses aren't quite what it, what's expected. Like there's just, just it's just this multi-layer 
you know, vector thing where it's like you are clearly not just one of the guys. Like you just clearly are visibly, they know it, you know it, everybody can see it. Um, and it's not, in some ways, I suppose it could be isolating if you let it be. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of have a preference for at a certain point when it starts to feel like I'm lying to them or if I feel like they're starting to become my friends, then I will absolutely tell them, like pretty much everybody in my life, apart from at this one workplace, knows that I'm a trans man. Like everybody knows because without that knowledge, they can't really know me. Like they don't don't make as much sense. Like Mm so... I wonder yeah, if that's I part of that. I wonder if that's part of the push to transition people earlier and earlier. I wonder if they're hoping to resolve that. I mean, a I think for some of them it's about passing better, especially like the the trans women. I think for them it's probably about passing better. And yeah. but I wonder if part and, of it too is is trying to if you transition people, you know, kind of prior to puberty, then they maybe go through a natural puberty but we don't really know like it's kind of an experiment yeah. right so we really don't know what the impact yeah we don't is going to be we have no idea i was kind of to, to a detransitioner just to uh, put this in here who was transitioned um three she was transitioned middle school age and went through all of high school um as a man or as a boy um stealth in high school she said it was like the most disturbing experience and uh just hated every minute of it because because it was kind of i can only imagine that'd be in, in, during those awkward formative years you're essentially living a full-time lie so i don't know how how if that if that stated purpose of of transitioning people younger and having them socialize through teenage years uh, as the opposite sex, maybe for some it would, um, but I think for others it could be really, um, uh, yeah, destabilizing. Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty terrifying. Because we uh, always we always know, like, no matter what age we transition, we always remember our history and we remember mm-hmm. that we have transitioned. And so yeah. I, that's well, and you can what, remember what you were like before you transitioned. Yeah. I was 26 years old, like 27 almost. Like same age, I was. Yeah, you know, like you, you, you're still a young adult, and I kind of, I kind of think now, <laughs> you know, I transitioned pretty young, like for me. But you, like, you had a, I had a, a definite sense of who I was what I was about, like it fluctuates over time. Like you're not going to stay who you were at 26, but you have a definite grounding of who you are and you've had, you know, by the time you get to your mid-20s, you have hopefully dealt with enough internal conflict that you have some ability to cope. Like if you're transitioning at 13, you don't really know who you are at that stage. Like... You, you know, you're putting this massive thing for the rest of your life on top of a, of a foundation that's not not as solid as it could be. You know, I kind of, I can appreciate for male to female teenagers, I, I, like, I can appreciate that they feel a lot of pressure to transition young because of the realities of, you know, have them having trouble passing at later ages. Um, But the problem of desistance is still a major issue for that. But, like, 
with with the 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 female to male transitioners like there's really like, no benefit to doing it uh yeah earlier under. like it just it just it just doesn't work you know like sorry like it just doesn't it, it for me that's just a massive red flag because if i started at 26 and i look like this like you know <laughs> no one ever thinks you know my voice kind of gives me away from time to time but i could fix that if i wanted to um yeah you know like there's just it seems to be there's this dialogue from older trans people saying rewriting their own history saying it would be easier for me if i had trans started transitioning at a younger age because i would pass better and when you look back over your life like i could the whole born in the wrong body narrative like i could totally put that look back over my life and put that over my life you know like that totally fits for me like i could 100 percent just wander around and i'm sure i have relatives that think that like i wouldn't have a clue but you know i'm sure there are people that know me that are in my life that are like oh you know he should have just been born he was born in the wrong body which is you know not something that i go for but i don't tend to police what other people think of me um so if you're, you know, like these people that are looking back going, oh, I wish I had transitioned earlier and now going, oh, well, we can now give this opportunity to an entire generation of young people who are embracing the idea and being really impatient about it. And it's like, it's just a disaster waiting to happen. Like it's already started. Like in, in the last 20 years, there was a detransitioner because I used to go to, there was the gender centre group counselling thing and then there was another, I think they're still around, but there was another body called F2M Australia F2MA that, that was also a support group for trans uh, transsexual men. They were very medicalist and it was a big thing. But um, now I can't remember why I was telling you that. Um, there was this other body that was also kind of loosely affiliated that was run by trans men for trans men. Um, that I think this, I think they're still around online. Um, I sorry, I can't remember why I, was, why I brought that them up. They we used to go to meetings for them as well every month, but oh, yeah, so there was they used to have monthly meetings in Glebe and there was probably about 20 people that showed up to that group on and off. There was a core group of about 10 people that showed up every week. And, you know, like my partner at the time wanted to, because when I transitioned in Sydney, basically if you started transitioning, you were no longer welcome in lesbian spaces. That was it. Bang, you're done. See you later. Um, which sucked, but I could kind of, you know, like if you no longer identify as a woman, then, you know, like you're not welcome in those bin spaces and that's just, you know, that's reality, so you're going to have to deal with it. So it was very important for my uh, partner at the time to go to these meetings so that she felt like she had a support network and she kind of made a thing of, you know, befriending partners of other trans guys. So there was one transitioner... Uh, detransitioner that I met early, early, early on, and he's the only detrans guy I've ever, ever met. Um, so there was 
that one guy that went to one FDMA, he's friends with a friend of mine and my friend was saying, oh, he's, uh, it's not worked out for him, he's going to stop. And I remember going, wow, that's, you know, massive. And I thought he was really pretty, so I was a bit obsessed with him at that stage. But because um, I was still, I don't even, I think I maybe had one shot of testosterone at that time. But I was like early, early days. I was not passing. It was just all brand new to me. So I met one detransitioner then. Um, and in the 20 years since then, there's that uh, BBC detransitioner, the woman who became a man, fully transitioned and then did the regret piece that's online. It's everywhere. Um, there were one or two other D-trans people that I have seen online, like stories that you have seen online about D-transitioners, but that's it for 20 years, like three or four people. That's it. That's all I've ever heard of or all I've ever seen. And then suddenly we have, you know, you log on to Twitter and I find a new one every couple of days, like D-transitioners just, popping up everywhere and it's like they're all young they're all saying the same things so it just that like I, I i can't quite grasp how we have this massive push to start people younger and younger and younger yeah. on this path while we have like that that's just clearly like it seems, it seems really humane on the face of it, but as soon as you start to think about it a little more, you think, oh, that's a bit, oh, I'm not too sure about that. And then you have all of these detransitioners popping up everywhere for the first time ever. And they're visible and they're, they, they just seem to, it's like these transitioned rabbits, they're everywhere. Like I found a new one this morning. It just yeah. seems, you know, like it just it just terrifies me, like how this will end terrifies me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're, they're a, starting to organize too. Like, yes. Yeah. What should be a huge red flag is it seems to be being dismissed by the extreme trans radical activists yeah. as being like it's they say it's not important to their cause. Um, and at the same time, their organizations like the, the, the LGBT or the trans health programs that they're based out of um, don't feel a need to provide any sort of services to the sisters, detransitioners, or regretters. They say that, you know, there's no need to service that population because there is none. Like that's... What I'm hearing in Canada. Yeah. Have you seen uh, this? Uh, there was a thing I saw yesterday from Post Trans on Twitter. They did a, uh, a detransition related needs for support, a cross section online survey or study survey. They did, it's mainly uh, detransitioned FDMs. Um, I've posted it, so if you want to check it out, it's on my, on my Twitter feed. But I think it's something like 70% of the 200 and something responders said that they detransitioned because, sorry, I'm flicking to it, 
they detransitioned because they realised that gender dysphoria, dysphoria was related to other issues. 70%. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's huge. It's a, it's a 220 person study or something like that. So it's not a massive study, but like it just. Like we're allowing kids to do this. They're not allowed to get tattoos. They're not allowed to drive. They're not allowed to drink. Like there's a reason that they have these safeguards in, in place to protect children and we're letting them make, you know, it all goes out the window with this yeah. one with one issue. Yeah. Just well, there's one there's one detransitioner here in Canada that that is part of our network here, and um, she um, she was misdiagnosed. Like she, um, you know, had trouble reading social cues and stuff, and and so she thought that she, you know that was because she was trans, and she did the transition, and then was later diagnosed with autism. And she yeah. says, you know, in, in hindsight, that better explains her experience and why things were socially awkward for her. Um, and, and now thinks I probably don't even, didn't, never had gender dysphoria. She just sort of, she, she feels like she was just misdiagnosed. Yeah. The, when, I, when I started transitioning, it was probably around the time where um, they started doing, I've forgotten the word, it's the... Where you know what you're doing. Basically, they don't certify that you're trans. They certify you're sane and that you know what you're doing. Informed consent. Informed consent. Thank you very much. Um, It was around that time um, because in Victoria, which is the state that has Melbourne to the south, um, they used to be really strict about, you know, you had to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria you had to live for two years, blah, 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 which is always a ridiculous prospect to my mind, like living, getting a guy to live as a woman for two years with no support out in public just seemed like a nightmare scenario. Um, but they had, uh, so they, in Victoria, they would, uh, they would always certify you as gender dysphoric and then they ended up getting sued because someone was like, oh, well, you know, yes, I went in and told you everything that I thought you wanted to hear and you diagnosed me incorrectly, so now I'm going to sue you because my life I've been, you know, I've been mutilated. So they they swapped the informed consent around that time. When was that? Um, it would have been in the early 2000s. They shut the entire program down for, I think it was 18 months. I could be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. But, and know, then reinstated like, it? And, and then I think they swapped to what we do in New South Wales, which is where you basically, um, at the time, you had to go see, I went to the gender centre and was, uh, even then, basically, I just got a green light and went straight through. Um, my first, uh, my first counselling session at the gender centre, uh, the woman, the counsellor, wanted to refer me to an endo at that time, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, hold on a minute. Um, but I actually think AI presented like I was totally trained. Like you could totally Classic see. Case. Yeah, you know, like, and the other thing is that I think I reminded that counsellor of, I don't know, but she just had a very, 
she she seemed to be very scared of me for some unknown reason. I think there was someone I reminded her of someone in her life. So she I had I always all of my dealings with her were always very weird. Um, so she kind of wanted to get rid of me as quickly as possible, which was bizarre. But um, I never took that on. But yeah, I like how often do you guys see your endos and stuff like that? Like talking I've never about had one. A back of uh, a lack of care for for trans. Like I haven't seen my endo in fifteen years. Oh wow! Yeah, I I was yeah. never I was never sent to one. That wasn't like the whole the whole <laughs> like when you think about it the whole the whole the whole trans medicine ideal is just lacking in so many areas. There are just large gaping holes where people fall through cracks all the time. Like. So two empathy. things. You yeah, you, you um you you went to an endo. You haven't been in fifteen years. So so he just keeps or they just keep renewing your prescription without doing any blood work. No, no. I my I have a great relationship with my my GP. I see her every other month oh, because I have a oh. bad back issue. Okay. But um, I haven't actually seen my endo since I got back from New Zealand. Like. So like fifteen plus years easily. Okay. Probably. But your your levels are checked through your GP. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then Aaron, for you, it all just went through your GP. Is that right? Yeah, it all just went through my GP. Okay. okay. I had to do um, the so my GP did the hormone readiness assessment. I did go and see a psychologist to do um, the first round when when I wanted surgery. So I had yeah several I different had the same several different um surgery assessments so it's a psychologist did that part but everything else was done by my gp yeah i'm, I'm quite am amazed sorry who's that oh i was gonna say i'm back to seeing my endocrinologist now how's that going oh it's good i'm diabetic as well as ah, okay so you need to manage thyroid so yeah holy I, shit i had a I had a challenge really with my Max Wolf sugar was levels, saying, so, yeah. Max Wolf was saying something about because I still haven't had a histo. Um, I'm kind of okay. getting into that now, um, possibly. But he was saying that he he um, it's on his Twitter, so I, I could be wrong about half of this. But he was saying he didn't get a histo until very like recently. Like he's been on T for like thirty years, which seems wow. Like a long time. Um, so he was like, I think he didn't get one for like 27 years or something like that um, because he, ha he heard, of a, heard of a story of um, someone got a histo and then they started having th thyroid issues almost pretty much straight after or it was related to having histos and stuff like that. Like it just. Okay. Um well, it's a bit weird. Thyroid problems are more common in women than they are in men. Yeah. I haven't studied that enough to know the whys and hows. Um, and I have a family history of diabetes. Yeah. So I think Mayendo said now I'm, he's got two um, trans men who are hypogonadal, hypothyroid, and insulin. What it means for me, may, or not um, type 2 diabetes, what it means for me is I have to be very 
consistent with my testosterone regime because A affects B, which affects C. So, wow, I'd be terrible they, at that. Yeah, they they share a common metabolic pathway in the liver. So, yeah. I always forget, like, because I'm on I'm on Reandron, so I end up taking it every six months because I always forget, and then I start crying over new, you know, over over. <laughs> Dove ads or something like that, and go. Oh, my shot's due. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's very interesting. Like the people talking about. <laughs> there was a kid on Twitter in UK today talking about uh, how they need better medical care over there, and they, the wait times are excessive and obscene, and blah 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 blah. But oh, the wait times are killing us, kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's very interesting that but there's there's not a lot of follow up. Like there really just isn't much follow up. It's not calculated into the equation at all. And it, it in some ways it's kind of I always for for a long time I was like, cool, you know, like I don't have to go over to the North Shore to see the endo and I don't have to do this and I don't have to do that. And then you get a bit older and you start thinking about more well, shit. How has this actually affected my body and how do I do this? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like it kind of it cuts both ways, I suppose. Yeah. In Australia, do they have sort of centralized, um, specialized gender clinics or do just the average GP do hormone starts and stuff now? It, 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 we're a very state based country so i'm in new south wales um i had a friend like so basically there's a model for new south wales a model for victoria um i know that the model for south australia is different uh, or it was part of me when a friend moved there um like, like it really just depends on the state like in queensland i think you have to have I, I was able to change my birth certificate from female to male um, because hormones are considered an irreversible surgery and then I had top surgery. You, have to have, you had to have two surgeries. Um, but in Brisbane, I'm not sure about this now, but back in the day, you, like that, that wouldn't cut it in, in Brisbane. Right. So you had to do more to change over your birth certificate if you were from Brisbane, which thankfully I'm not. Um, but, yeah, so it kind of goes from state to state. So in New South Wales we have, uh, I believe, the Gender Centre still exists and then there was a support network with FDMA who, you know, sh they had correlated all of the, you know, resources of this doctor does testosterone and that doctor does this and that that endo will do sex change stuff and this is the surgeons that do chest surgery and blah 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 but it's all it's 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 not as global i suppose like across the country as as it probably should be i saw in the news that one of the australian states has banned childhood medical transition western, western yeah. australia yeah, they're, they're one of the most conservative state, states, politically speaking. 16, like like in the UK now? Um, I think, yeah, I think they have to go through court, which, like, we, we had this case of a 13-year-old girl who was in foster care probably, bit, like, more than a decade ago, 
um, who wanted to have a sex change and she was, I think it was, th it was the first case that I ever heard of and I'm not particularly well connected to this thing, so I could be wrong. It might not be the first case, but um, she had to go. She was a, a minor that was in state care that was basically desperate to start a transition, had had multiple suicide attempts, uh, like, sounded like the real deal, um, and she had to go to court to get access to hormones and stuff like that. I think she was 13 or 14 at the time. Um, and then after that, so they went into court and they presented all of the pro argument as to why they should let this kid do this without really, I found out recently from uh, listening to a podcast that they didn't really present any, any you know, negative ev evidence in those court cases whatsoever. None of the risks were discussed, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then that case then led to, well, if you, there are a few other cases where they had to go through the court system to get access. And then as a humane kind of, you know, let, let's, you know, let these kids get to access to, uh, to hormones without having to spend, you know, like fifty dollars to $100,000 going through the court system that's bypassed that. Um, and then Western Australia just seemed to have, like, reinstituted, no, you, you have to go to court. Like, this is becoming a bit too, we're getting a bit too cavalier with this stuff. So hopefully, hopefully other states will follow. Because I kind of think there would have to be a tiny minority of kids that, require these interventions i don't think it's anywhere near what we're being told but there would have to be a few that that should probably be looked at to see whether they you know they literally can't wait or whether they should you know like that needs to be sorted out but <coughs> i kind of think that there needs to be a bit a few more adults in the room basically in, in regard to these decisions, especially when you're seeing, you know, transition detransitioners pop up bloody everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't like, fathom any 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 situation where I think minors transitioning is ever appropriate. I used to I used to be pro it. I used to think that if I had transitioned, you know, uh, much younger, it would have been, you know, much better for me. Um, but just thinking about it, philosophically is the best way I can think about this is like, so if you were transitioned at 13, 14 years old, and if, even if it was a resounding success, it's like how with the, with the negative impacts, the negative health impacts we know this has on our bodies. I mean, yeah. how would you not grow up to wonder if it was necessary? There's no way that you wouldn't wonder if it yeah. was necessary at all. And I feel like that would just, that would have like this lingering existential, um, just, just, yeah, it just seems like it. It just seems like a recipe for disaster in every in every yeah. scenario. I think, like you were saying, so you and I both transitioned. When we were twenty six. Yes, that's young, but but like that's obviously a lot older than most people are transitioning now. We were mostly your brain is formed. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Mm. Yep. Uh, yeah. Totally. Totally developed. Um, but uh, the way I look at it is like if I hadn't outgrown it by twenty six, I wasn't going to outgrow it. But then also, if we look at other kind of um, you know cognitive therapies that could have talked me out of it potentially, I don't know. But um, but at least I knew I was an adult and I know how I had felt my entire life. Um, so that yeah. helps. 
But like if you if you were transitioned, you know, certainly prepubescently, you, since you know most of the children that were transitioning, you know, putting on puberty blockers and whatnot, are boys who would go up, to, grow up to be to be homosexual. You know, so many gay men are coming out now and saying, "Oh, hold on, I was super dysphoric as a kid. I outgrew yeah. it with puberty." We're taking that opportunity away from these kids. That's, that, that's, that's, so that's much the problem awful. is that mm-hmm. only twenty percent of those kids will like statistically persist. Yeah, and we're transitioning all, all of, of them. Like, yeah, it just. Like, yeah, I, I, I kind of think, in order to be humane to everybody, there needs to be some facility for this to happen for the rare, extreme cases. But maybe let's perhaps make the court process and the hormone process and the readiness process rather long so that they have, you know, a couple of years of hoops to jump through first, maybe, I don't know. But I think, I don't know, like I just, like I'm not, you know, there are plenty more smarter people than me that are thinking about this and are scratching their heads. So, you know, I know I certainly don't have any answers, but I have a lot of concerns about what's going on. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The scary thing is though, is it seems like the people who are, who are responsible for this, who are smarter in this regards are completely held captive by an ideology. Uh, or just like, oh yeah, it's fine. In, in, Don't worry about it. I, yeah. Yeah. You're going to be kidding me. Like seriously. Yeah. It's telling that every time a country has done a system, you know, an independent systematic review, it's always ended up the same with saying, where's the evidence? Like the evidence is so yeah. poor, but Aaron, I think I think you're right that those that are really drawn to this work and have been doing it for a while that that ideological capture is strong and and they're not they have they're their blind so they, sure that they've got right. their blind spots right and and so you, I think we are going to need people who are who know how to read the evidence but aren't aren't invested in who are neutral right aren't invested in either way just look at the evidence and make some decisions based on yeah on the evidence that's what it's have you guys seen um much of helen joyce she just brought a book out i haven't read her book yet i'd like to order a couple chapters in it's good stuff i really like her like really well put together yeah I read Deborah So's book. I thought that was really good as well, just looking at the science behind all of this. And I thought it was a very fair and balanced take. That's, she that's kind of the thing that, like, on Twitter and part of what that was in our thread earlier, like, I like part of that whole, you know, people can bang on, like, MO can carry on about being a real woman and blah, 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 as much as she likes and yeah. if that's what makes her happy, then absolutely go for it. I don't really care. But at the end of the day, we're a mammalian species. Like the science is pretty clear. And then you get on Twitter and people are like <laughs> citing, sci- like some kid is giving you scientific study after scientific studies that I can't, like someone posted some, an article from Teen Vogue the other day, you know, as proof that I was wrong. And it's like, this is team Vogue. Like, are you kidding me? But, you know, like all of these scientific studies are kind of like, they're like, well, maybe caught a sort of kind of, there might be a chance that this maybe, maybe, maybe if we twist it around and, you know, tight knots, maybe this might be the, like, no, it's very obvious that, you know, this is reproduction is, and biology is, 
quite well known and pretty straightforward. Like yeah. it just, you know, it just yeah. boggles. And mind. the studies that they, that they pull out, you know, to try to, to prove, um, their side of things, the studies are quite poor, right? Like they, they, they do in a, a lot of, um, I mean, either just poor study design using a lot of online surveys and, and, and stuff and just, and, and really, as you say, really stretching and twisting that, that data to try to prove a point. Whereas a scientific method, you're, you're not using science to try to. No, you're using to twist method and to try prove, and find right? what's going on, not the other way around. Like, yeah. Yeah, and the lobby has, <laughs> like, if a researcher wants to study mortality and morbidity in the transgender umbrella population, there are huge um, roadblocks. Like, there are more roadblocks to studying morbidity and mortality in our population than there used to be to transitioning 20 years ago. Right. And, and um, that's a problem. Yeah. I've, I've what I like, I've watched that probably for as long as you have, like they yeah. will not let any studies happen. Yeah. How we got no, so much power. I, I have no idea. Like, like all of these kids that are going on Twitter and stuff like that. It's like, we're 1% of the population. Like, they're coming up with all these violent tweets and let's do this and let's start a revolution. It's like we're 1% of the population, guys. Like, <laughs> let's calm down. It's not going to happen. Like, don't pick a fight. We don't have the numbers. Yeah, you know, like, like the facts is not on our side. Like, it's not going to end well, you know. Like, yeah. They must on some level know that, that the ideology is flimsy. Otherwise, why would they prevent studies from being done, right? Like, if... Like, like th- someone th- like Buck I, Angel, who's just, he just is who he is, right? He doesn't hide anything. He just wears everything mm. on his sleeves and he just, he wants more studies. Let's study this. Yep. Let's figure this out. And But there are a whole heap of people that want to control the outcome. You know, like there are a whole heap of high up, very well off, well-educated, well-connected trans people that are determined to, you know, protect their turf like which is hilarious because i was thinking about this earlier like anorexics are not experts in anorexia like no one would be going around you know listening to you know like you know what i mean like in no other field would the people would the patients be the ones who are setting the tone for everything like feedback yeah sure no worries but Aaron made a good parallel uh, with with schizophrenia and gender dysphoria, and it's like, what are you saying? Basically, like, you know, not not only should we not treat your schizophrenia, we should we should celebrate it, and you should be the one, you know, like kind of like writing um, writing standards yeah, you of should, care. And- you you should write the standards of care. Go for your life. Like, <laughs> yeah. Someone was saying, like, everyone because I'm like I'm a chef, so you know, clearly I, I'm also a workaholic chef, so. I don't spend a lot of time looking at scientific studies because, you know, quite frankly, I'm a lazy reader and I don't have the time. Um, But I was, I think it was you that was saying that WPATH is saying that they're basing this round on, based on scientific evidence. How is that not a major 
Like all of these people that are like, oh, WPATH 6 and WPATH 5 and WPATH 4, blah, 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 blah. And they know all of these intricate details about what was in, you know, what was in the print. Like, like you're just basically spouting a doctor's opinion, like, or the trans lobby's opinion as fact. Like, how is that not? I yes, don't know. It, it just it seems. Has been, it, I thought it was a bold uh, and interesting admission on their part to state that because that came right from their website, right? That that yeah, that this will be the first standards of care based on a scientific method and a systematic review of of the scientific literature. And I thought, well, that you, you basically admitted pages. that like, up until this point, this hasn't been based on evidence. It's still it's based the wild, on, wild west. Like, yeah, you know, it just, it just, like, I just can't get my head around it like i was off doing my thing and i i watch well i had a period of watching joe rogan and he was talking about the sports issue and i was like what that doesn't make him yeah no whatever and then he was talking about the fallon fox the skull fracture thing and i was like what what are you talking about and i started looking into it a bit more and i was like what the fuck is going on like that was really how i kind of started paying attention to what what's going on like before that i just assumed that it, you know it was just continuing on you know i have been noticing a lot more trans guys in particular popping up when i do go out but because i go out when i go out socially it's kind of within the queer community so i don't really venture into gay or lesbian territory i pretty much tend to stick to queer events so, you know, that was always a mixed, you know, odd-looking crowd. And, you know, I was kind of like, oh, well, maybe it's just these guys that are playing with gender and, you know, like, because there certainly is, you know, in, in gay ghettos where there are a lot of academics, people playing with gender and, you know, like you could live your life playing with you know like genderqueer stuff and totally you know sorry or someone's being really no you can't do it that way come on um you know like there are people who live in gay ghettos who can play with gender and be non-binary and mix it up and do that whole lock thing and you know get away with it and have you know like there is an area where that is kind of like performative art stuff that's happening. And I'm totally, totally fine with that. That's not, you know, a problem whatsoever. But it, it, it's it's really an insignificant minority of people like when they're legislating for everybody based on this tiny, tiny group of people that are at the cutting edge. And it just, I don't know, it just seems like a bad idea and seriously dangerous and has repercussions that we don't. Oh, now I've got both of them, sorry. Um, that has repercussions that we just can't foresee. Like, mm -hmm. we don't know where this ends. Like, it could end up being more disastrous than we currently worry. Like, I'm glad that we have, have rights. I definitely want the ability to just live my life and hold a job and not be fired from a job just because I'm trans and those kinds of things. Like, I think, I think we would all agree that we want some protection. Yeah, abso but, absolutely. But, but we be, already have that. 
we are yeah is that just it we already have that and, and like they're, i can, they're I can pushing get, it into bizarre territory i could get legally made uh, i could get legally married before lesbian and gay people could like in australia the, the like transsexual marriage came up in the courts before gay marriage like <laughs> like i had there there's probably some area of you know like superannuation law that hasn't been ironed out completely yet but you know we pretty much are there um in most other areas so people are now talking about rights like you can be fired from your job you can't like they're talking about what the right to get your dick out in the woman's room yeah you know like the the right to to play sport no i'm sorry but sports are privilege like that's not essential for your welfare like sorry hold on one second hey guys <laughs> can we settle down please <laughs> at least you're not yelling at me now no 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 sorry two puppies bad idea <laughs> they're cute yeah they're a lot of trouble too. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like I, like I kind of, there needs to be, there doesn't seem to be any point at which this push for rights is, is well, it doesn't seem realistic, but it doesn't seem like it's going to end anywhere either. Like, you know, you have conversations with people and you're like, well, that's not a right, that's a privilege or, you know, like, we're, like they just don't. They just want everything now and they're not willing to, like, there are other people on the planet. Like, you, you, know, you know, you need to coexist with them. It seems like right now rights are being defined as, as anything that doesn't shatter. Well, yeah, but it's anything that doesn't shatter the fantasy. Yeah. Um, so it's like anything that shatters the fantasy of being in the opposite sex is now an infringement on my human rights. It seems to be like the kind of the, the, the essence that they're going for. Yeah, and they're very like they just don't see. I I wonder, you know, because I've 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 been a lefty, like a socialist lefty, my entire adult life, um, and it's only recently that I've kind of started to be, kind of wake up to you know like communism is actually like a lovely idea. It's it's, you know, like it's a beautiful idea, but the reality is that it's just not practicable. Like you can't, there's no way to implement it without major damage. Like, yeah. but there are, I suppose they're just going through the same process that, that other people go, you know, that, that, that it's, it's like a developmental age almost, a stage almost. Like, you know, you just don't think it through to the point where you're like, oh, this really does impact other people. Like what a woman is in legal definition has real implications for other people that aren't you. You know, you need to, yes. you need to think about them. Like yeah. you need to actually consider like, you know, yes, you want to go into the women's restroom. And I, I'm, I'm not the biggest, I kind of... I'm not 100 percent there on 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 the bathroom issues. Like I like I just think it's a weird hill to die on. But um, yeah, like 
there are that does impact other people like if there's no like when i walk into a men's bathroom which i don't do that frequently but i do do it like it does impact other people that are there in ways that i don't understand like when you go into e-spar and are just letting it all hang out like other people are looking at you and you're you know that you know like i've actually been naked in a men's spa um a couple of times and it's been fine like the people just kind of go oh that's weird um but i don't know that i'd be doing it again anytime soon like it does impact other people and women are just in general in a you know like in a hairy you know i don't know i don't exactly know how to put it but they are in a underprivileged position for lack of a better word like they are yeah, more vulnerable yeah they're more vulnerable there's no you know like you can't like you're bigger than them you you know like as a six foot like guy which is you know a pretty average height you tower over the majority of women like there's there's just a power imbalance like and trying to pretend that that doesn't exist is just ridiculous like you know you've got a whole heap of people saying oh but that's not fair that's not fair or that's not right or i'm this or i'm that and it's like you have a you have an obvious conflict of interest because the outcome of this argument impacts you directly like you know, we're not going to be, we're not letting, you know, major oil companies dictate environmental law. Like, you know, like you just don't, you just don't do that stuff. Like, mm -hmm. But we seem to be at a place where not only are we taking input from the gas companies, we're letting them run the ship. Like it just, you know, it's probably a bad analogy because, <laughs> you know, works. environmental yeah. stuff is, you know, a fucking nightmare. But at the, at the same time, you, you have these, you know, massive conflicts of interests with no, you know, neutral experts anywhere on the playing field and people are like not having a problem with this. It's quite strange. Well, and the... That the absolute refusal to acknowledge the legitimacy of the issues that women bring up when talking about women's space. Yeah. Right? It's, it's like, you know, we've had the same issue, like the Kimberly Nixon Vancouver rape relief started in the early 2000s, which mm -hmm. was a, a court case in. British Columbia, where uh, trans women wanted to access volunteer. Rape yeah, yeah. Oh, she wanted and, to volunteer. Yeah, and, and ultimately, the court agreed that women have a right to a women-specific service. Yeah, um, and the tr the the points and issues of concern that were brought up were never addressed and now we have a situation in canada where a rapist has been incarcerated in the um fraser valley correctional center for women and they had to take the uh, 
trans woman identified rapist out of there because of engaging in sexual activities with the other women. And it's yeah, not clear as to whether those activities were consensual or not, because how consensual can it be when you're sleeping in a common dormitory with an individual who's in jail for killing a 13 year old girl? Yeah. So I, I think sex crimes are, you know, and if, you're, and if you've committed a sex crime, you do not belong in the general population of a women's prison. I'm sorry, but you just don't. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't really understand why people are like the, the Chris Chan thing. I really don't like think about it. An 80-year-old woman with dementia. Yeah. Let's assume it's moderately progressed to the point where she's confused on a semi-regular basis. Yeah. Like forcing yourself when you're in, like he's, or Chris is living with mother who is confused at least part of the time. Yeah. That's a power privileged position that you have then abused dramatically. Like just, it's just, it's too horrific to Bottles think about. Mind, yeah. Like it, like it really just like it makes me want to vomit because when you think about it, the reality of the situation, it's just too heinous for words. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I don't care who that person is or how they identify. That person does not get to dictate. <laughs> very much about the rest of their life like i get that there are other comorbidities and there are some pretty severe mental health issues and yada 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 but why are we protecting rapists like well, like why did how has it come to that like surely we can agree that rape is a bad thing like whoever does it right yeah. we shouldn't be attacking you know, like a trans identification shouldn't mean you are treated any differently. That's a bad thing. Like, surely we can agree. Yeah. But yeah. there's all of these, there's thousands of threads about she in this situation. It's like, um, you're kind of missing the point here. Like, that's some seriously fucked up shit. Like, yeah. how I mean, we I bypass the main story and we're off in the sideshow of the carnival on pronouns like i'm sorry what yeah our society has granted us the the opportunity to to do this right i mean it's granted us this treatment and um yeah you know and legal protections but you know blanch dr blanchard i saw him in an interview he said you know it's it's a it's a legal fiction you know the fact that we're able to to legally yeah, change our gender market, and I agree with him. I mean, that may be a, a, a painful truth for some trans people, but but it's the truth that I'm, it is. A, it's, it's a it's a legal fiction, and yeah, I don't think we should be granted to continue that legal fiction if we're abusing it. Exactly, yes. I've exactly. I've kind of been thinking about that recently because there are a lot of people like I, I've even seen Buck do this. He's like, but I'm legally male, and it's like, yeah, that was a courtesy, like. Yeah. Maybe we should, you know, I, there's a, a 
a gender bender here called, that's quite famous in Australia called uh, Nori May Walby, who has uh, took the government to court and got X as their gender marker. Um, and it was a huge thing. It was ages ago now. But I kind of been wondering, you know, like there are so many people that kind of cling to, you know, no, but I'm, it says M on my passport, I'm a man. Like, well, you kind of are and you're kind of not really. Like you live as a man, but I still have a uterus. Like apart from the fact that I'm, I'm 45, but if I'd wanted to at any stage in the last 10 years, I could have gotten pregnant if I wanted to. That is the essence of all womanhood. Like that is, you know, there's no masculine way to have a baby. Like that's, mm. I've, yeah, I've been thinking about that stuff lately and just, you know, I've been wondering if maybe it was, you know, you can see, you can kind of see how things have progressed to this level in some ways because, you know, you get these people that are a tiny minority and having F on your birth certificate is going to raise a whole heap of problems potentially um, if you look like me, though it never really did because people always assume the document is wrong. They never question you. Um, so, you know, in that situation, the humane thing is to change it, you know, set a situation up so that if you jump through these hoops, you are now legally female. Um, that's that's pretty reasonable thing to do. But then further down the road that has repercussions that you just can't really have foreseen which and is the, problematic the, the narrative under which those exemptions were created were because protection from discrimination yeah well, now we have legal protections from discrimination so is the narrative any longer valid? I mean, I would hate to have... I, I, I'm working at getting F back on my documentation as much as that will make my life uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Because the, the other thing that's been bothering me lately is people keep, like, there are, there, there are a lot of different camps in the GC or turf umbrella it kind of is an umbrella because there are a whole whole heap of a wide range of views like there are people that are saying that hormones are too powerful to give to children and that we shouldn't give them to children which is true we, we shouldn't um and they bang on and on and on and on and on about how powerful hormones are. And then they look at me and call me she. And it's like, well, I'll, like, I don't really care. You do, you know, like, if you want to be a dick in that way, then go for your life. I don't really care. But, you know, like, it's like there's just large gaps in logic on, on both sides. Like, you know, like trans women are men and belong in men's bathrooms trans men are women and belong in men's bathrooms like that's not very logical like you're saying logics on your side like there are problematic areas in both camps like yeah. you know if hormones are so powerful you know, on one hand how are they not powerful on the other like you know like no one ever looks at me and goes oh look that's chic like you know even when i tell them like when I when I frequently when I tell people, 
I have to tell them a couple of times because they don't believe me. Like, so there's this weird, like, I don't know, the kind of, the further I get into this, like, I kind of think that the trans stuff has gone way too far into La La Land. Like, that is without a doubt. Like, Mm -hmm. trans women are trans women, trans men are trans men. Like, to say, like, I'm female is true. It's a true statement. But to say I'm a woman really like that that doesn't really seem to fit my life and it hasn't for quite some time like surely over time you kind of become something else like what that is we don't know maybe I'm deluding myself I don't I don't know but it kind of feels like just for the sake of keeping things simple people are kind of missing a large large points like they're they're just large gaps in arguments that don't we don't have any answers for like you know i would kind of prefer to say we don't we don't know like i think in both camps you're saying that that they're being kind of ideologically pure an attempt at being ideologically pure on both sides yeah i would agree with that you know and i I kind of like I, i i kind of definitely know which side i'm on but that's not to say that i accept i the whole premise on either side like i don't like i don't think many people do um you know, like I, I had a woman on Facebook, I, uh, on YouTube, leave a comment because <laughs> she can't see my picture. I wrote something under one of Deborah So's things and uh, this woman responded and was like, yes, but you're still a lesbian. It's like, go and have a look at my picture on Facebook to start with, but lesbians no longer accept me as a lesbian, like surely some part of being a lesbian is not just about genital you know like who you're having sex with it's about it's also in an identification like these things are incredibly complex i don't know like it just it just strikes me as odd well it 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 speaks to the difference between it's like how are you accepted socially within a group and whether the group voluntarily accepts you into it or whether you try to force your way into the group. Yeah. And, yeah. Which means the group's not going to accept you if you try to force your way in. Like, that's, that's kind of the thing, really, is that yeah. the, they may not object to you actually physically being there, but you're not part of the group. Yeah. Because as soon as you go, they're like, thank God, fucking hell. I kind of want so, to yeah. Oh, sorry, if you want to... No, no, go if you like. I was just going to say, because um, you were saying something very interesting, Kevin, is that um, when you had... So this is, I'm, I'm jumping way back a ways in the conversation, but you were saying that when you started transitioning, that basically meant that you were kind of um, socially excommunicated from the lesbian yeah. population. Like there was a strong divide between trans men yeah. and lesbians. But Aaron, you were saying that in the, in the kind of Vancouver scene, when you were transitioning, it was kind of uh, understood that there was a, like butch... And, and and trans men were essentially different sides of the same coin and it was like communally kind of the sim- similar yeah i think it probably de- depended to which because there's not a single lesbian community right there's there's many lesbian communities so it probably depends somewhat on on which which community someone was hanging out in there was definitely some that 
there was definitely tension between trans men and lesbians, um, but they were still at that time floating around in similar social circles. Yeah. See, I kept all of my personal friends, like all of the people that I hung out with that were lesbians, pardon me, which was, let's face it, the majority of people I knew. I didn't lose any friends over it, but going out to clubs certainly became problematic. And I remember there was a burlesque strip show that was queer that actually advertised that queer people and trans people were welcome um, that I went to and I even cop shit there, like when I first rocked back up to that, um, there were... It wasn't really an ugly situation. It was just more over-the-shoulder kind of <laughs> comments um, that I didn't even hear because I'm half deaf, so, <laughs> so it didn't really bother me. But, you know, like it, there was certainly a, you know, well, if you are no longer a lesbian, then you are no longer a lesbian. There's no, you know. And then about five years or so later, the queer community kind of, was a bit more established and you know that was kind of where we all veered off to um because that was kind of a bit more you know kinky and and you know just a bit more diverse really and a bit more interesting to be honest but sounds like time is the difference huh because like, i know when i was listening to buck angel on either it was megan dom's podcast the unspeakable podcast or andrew sullivan's podcast he was Buck Angel was on both of them recently, but I remember him saying that um, initially when he transitioned, uh, he, he was excommunicated from his lesbian yeah. community. And yeah, it was lesbians were, they, they called him, you know, he was a traitor and yada, yada. And he said, now many of those women reached out to him uh, just not too many years later, basically asking him how to go about transitioning because they wanted yeah. to as well. So it is an interesting uh, time progression, how that culturally yeah. shifts. Yeah. Yeah. It was so awkward too. Like I remember like I said, depending on which social circles you you fit in, it, it sort of played out a little bit differently. But I remember like, you know, dykes on baseball teams, for example, and then one of them wants to transition. I mean, exactly at what point should they no longer play on that team? Is it the, is it, is it the moment that they decide they're going to transition or is it once they start? The moment they hit it clear out of the park. <laughs> yeah, once, once they have a biological advantage. Like it, it, so that it's hard, right? I mean, this is a completely man-made situation right this is this is not a natural phenomenon that do people people no. don't aren't supposed to change sex we're mammals we're not clownfish and yeah it so we've created this whole social problem because well it's just based a, on a, a whole technology. layer of ambiguity from start to finish you know and there it's really weird in like because there used to be this whole trans pride thing that was like, you know, like, and it, it, in some ways what's going on is, is it just strikes me as really transphobic. Like, I'm not trans, I'm this. Like, how did you get there? Like, there used to be, because, you know, you used to have to put up with so much shit. Like, I had a friend, one of my, my ex-girlfriend's, had a partner who was a six foot three massive drag queen that would insist, and he was a sex worker as well, and he would insist on going out in in drag. And he would just, even in gay ghettos, he would just, like, it was always just a nightmare. Um, 
and because that was the case for so long, being trans was kind of like you had your armour on and it was like, you know, like I'm going to be me and I'm going to be, you know, I'm not going to buy into any of the shame and I'm going to be proud of myself and I'm going to, you know, like this is not really, you know, like not not to a point where it was overboard, but just having some self-pride, like, you know, being proud or having some self-respect has, and it seems to have morphed into something else entirely. It's very strange. Like, you know, yes, you're trans, you, you know, like it, like that, that I'm trans really doesn't come up that very often in my life. Like 20 years down the road, you know, like, like I'd, barely even think about it much anymore it just is my reality and you live your life accordingly but there seems to be this I don't know it's this weird thing where it's like that is no longer okay in any way to be okay with being trans you have to be something else you have to pretend to be you know like I need to be a man and it's like well most of my experiences and my reality tell me that that's not the case. Like, you know, I don't have to step that far out of my house for that to, you know, to encounter situations where it's like, oh, well, I am a bit different. That's okay. There is something different that started to happen over the last few years, especially like, and we can all sense that, right? Something has shifted and changed and it it no longer really seems to be about us. Like it seems like some other agenda has taken over. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. It's very, very strange. Like you would think that in order to progress trans rights, the basis of, you know, like you were born one way and you have, moved into a different area would be celebrated that would be the you know that would be the focal point where you're like it's okay to do this Mm -hmm. and you know that's that's i don't even know what i'm trying to say but that that would be the focal point for me that, that that process is the thing whereas now we're kind of like no this is the thing and that didn't happen which seems like it just seems counterintuitive. Like it just is like, well, how if you're not trans, how did you get to where you are? Yeah. It's like going from, from a medical understanding of it um, to this post-structuralist fantasy land that if anybody, you know, pokes at the fantasy, that's, that's transphobia. Whereas my perspective is like, you know, obviously we're, we're female we present as, as men, we are female, erasing the, or denying the fact that we are female is where the transphobia is. That's denying yeah. our very, our very essence as yeah. trans people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah so. it's, it, it just boggles the mind. Like I still, I've only been involved, like I've only been aware of it for just over six months. So, you know, oh, I'm still okay. kind of like peak transing in a way, but it's just like, you, like you, are you serious? Like, like you've got to be kidding me. Like, seriously, you're not, you don't actually believe that. Oh, shit, you do. Oh, okay. It does like, seem just, like, it does seem like trans rights isn't really the end point they have in mind because we've had rights now for quite some time. I don't yeah. feel like I'm being oppressed in any way. I own a home, I'm working, I'm raising my kids, I'm just living my life. So I, I do think that what's changed in the last several years is the move to, from 
trans rights to transhumanism. I think that's the, the agenda that's taken over. There was a, a keynote speech um, here in, in British Columbia at University of Victoria by Martine Rothblatt. I've posted on Twitter for in, anyone that wants to take a look at it. And it's talking about moving moving tra um, trans history forward. I don't remember the exact wording of the, of the keynote speech, but it was about looking into the future of, of trans rights. And the whole talk was transhumanism and naming these different kinds of dysphoria through a transhumanist lens and, and using the, the whole history of how we achieved rights as, as transgender people to now saying, well, the next step now is, is to exceed what, even what it means to be human into cyborg technologies. I mean, it sounds like something out of science fiction, but that's what, that's what they're talking about now, that the, the future of trans is transhumanism, where we can not just change sex, but, but actually transcend the limits of, of what it means to be human. We like, can become another species. Like. And so, but when, I mean, as far-fetched and as bizarre as that sounds, it kind of makes sense to this push, though, that if we can get a whole generation of people to truly dissociate from their bodies and really believe in every way that they just are, they did change sex somehow, that complete dissociation from our body makes sense if the agenda is to eventually download our consciousness into a machine. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy, and I don't support they, they, it at they, all. They, they, they certainly have some bizarre endpoint in mind, but what they mm -hmm. don't, the other thing that really confuses me and baffles, well, it baffles me, is everybody lives in their own bubble. So when you live in a gay ghetto or a queer ghetto and everyone you know has the same politics that you do, like <laughs> I remember John Howard would, was re-elected uh, Prime Minister here at some stage when I was early in transitioning. I remember being horrified and complete like it's like kind of like the trump thing like how did this person get elected like everyone i know stands against everything that this person stands for but you don't realize that the majority of people that you are sharing the planet with think completely differently like yeah. like living out in the suburbs like if I was to go into work today and I, I have to get going shortly because I need to jump in the shower and get going, but um, if I went into work today and kind of outed myself in the place where I work, where it's a very blue-collar working class, like I live kind of in a housing commission adjacent area, so there's a lot of crime and a lot of poor people and a lot of welfare checks floating around so you would think that if i went into work today and said hey listen i'm transsexual by the way that would be quite dangerous but the reality is is that if i went in there today and did that people would be like a bit odd for a week or two one or two people might go oh you're a freak but there's no physical violence like there would be no physical violence whatsoever the people that like me would continue to like me but people just get over it. Like it's really not the, the biggest deal in the world. Like it's very, you know, like people kind of, especially on Twitter, you see people thinking that 
because they think that and because everybody they know thinks that, that everybody thinks that. And it's like, not, no, not everybody thinks that. Like, it's, it's, it's very obvious to me because I'm living in a place where, you know, for 30 kilometres in pretty much every direction or 40 kilometres in almost every direction, like, people think differently to me but there are more of them than there are of us, like, and they have rights as well. Like, they have a purpose and they're not, they're not transphobic. They just don't believe in bullshit. Like, it's, it's, it, it, it's this, I don't know, like, it just is this weird thing to me. Like, I don't, I really don't understand how you could be, like, I can kind of see it because I've done it before myself, but at the same time, like, if you have people telling you, no, that's not really how everybody else's thinks, at some point, surely that's going to register somewhere in your brain, but it just doesn't seem to. Yeah. I, I always thought that we had the corner on the truth, obviously, until I, about three years ago, I wised up to the whole... <clears throat> Uh, yeah. the, the trans shit that's going on is like, wait, what else have I been wrong about? So it was kind of good for me in that sense that I realized, wait, maybe, maybe John Oliver and Stephen Colbert aren't always, you know, the moral authority on everything. Not yeah. sure if that makes sense outside of an American context. But. <laughs> no, no, no. I pretty much everywhere is well aware of what's going on in America and who your main punters are. <laughs> you know, I know more about your history than um, what's going on there than I do what's going on here. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> but um I should we wrap it guys? Yeah, I kinda have to yeah, go in the shower and head off. Driving again. Well it's great for the chat. It was uh, nice to meet yeah, you. Yeah, thank Kevin. you very much. Indeed. Well, thank have, you very have much. Have you on again, keep you in the loop and Yeah, thanks. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't give Absolutely. in. We're growing yeah. fast. But, good yeah. Meeting you. yeah, you guys too. It's kind of very weird. That you're weird. Normally, normally, I watch you. I don't interact with you. So <laughs> kind of a bit weird. Yeah. Well, thanks, thanks for sharing your story with us. No worries. Have a good day. You too. Thanks, Kevin. See ya. See ya. Bye.